Welcome to this very exciting screening of the 1957 science fiction epic, They Came From Beneath the Sea. Directed, written, produced, edited, and poster designed by Michael Oldbay, we can see a disputed genius at work, learning his craft with virtually no budget. And for the first time, actors David Coyne, Wendy Donegan, and Jamie Nash have broken their silence. They have provided us with some exclusive commentary regarding the creation of this legendary classic. And remember to stay tuned for a post-credit sequence. So, sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale that will change your life forever. Ahoy, I'm Jamie Nash. Today I'll be playing Captain Chesapeake. He's kind of a cross between Quint from Jaws and Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun. You can find out more about me on Twitter at Jamie underscore Nash. I am Wendy Donegan. I am playing Tulip Soft, a Kent Island local obsessed with finding the answer to world peace uh, through nature and her uh, self-taught science experiments. My name is Dave Coyne. Uh, I'm playing Nathaniel Bow. He's the local sheriff. He's been in a position of authority his entire life. And he's going to keep things by the book here. You can find me, I think, still as DC Loogie online, if you're so interested. The Coast Guard ship turns and departs. With Stan watching back at you, shaking his head as though he's a little disappointed in your patriotism for questioning the United States government. But fairly soon, they are out of earshot. Okay, does anyone know precisely where we need to be on this water to find what we're looking for? Well, Chesapeake, you saw... What did you see earlier today? There was the, sh the shipwreck, right? Yeah, I can, I can definitely take us back to the shipwreck. And what I can tell you is that these attacks come in bunches. When there's one there's two. And when there's two, there's four and eight and 16 and higher numbers that if you took a math class, you'd understand. What kind of weaponry do you have on the minnow, Captain? <laughs> Come with me. I take them down to the bowels of the boat where I keep a stash of weapons and I start to pull them out one by one. Holy first, cow. First, Is this a harpoon? There's a harpoon. How did you know? You've, well, it's long. That's all. You, you've been crabbing before, I can see. You get the harpoon. I hand the harpoon over. There's also my trusty, and I pull out of my shorts, the flare gun. My flare gun. It's only one shot. But if you shoot a crab between the eyes, I don't know. I've never shot a crab between the eyes with a flare gun, but something will probably happen. Do, do you have giant rubber bands that we can tie around their claws? That's a good thought. That's a ridiculous thought. Who has a yeah. giant rubber? You'd never tie a giant rubber band around a claw. I do have these nautical ropes. Maybe they could come of use. Oh, okay. So it was a good thought in principle, but yes, but giant not, rubber band was what, what threw you. They, they have no elasticity to them, but you can tie a claw, I suppose, with them. If you knew how to tie the proper nautical knot. Which we're all assuming you do. Yeah. Well, I, I might have missed a few classes in captain school. Nice. But, 
Okay. Anyway, last but not least, I have this. This is the tool I've been saving that I use myself. I call it Excalibur. And I pull out a giant crab mallet. It's really one of those circus mallets. But I've been keeping it with me just in case I find a crab that I need to smash. Has Excalibur actually been deployed against a crab? Well, small, smaller crabs. We're I not demolished. talking about ordinary crabs here, right? I demolished a bushel, you know, once, but not a. I, I have never faced crab with a weapon. I've only, I, yeah, I was kind of knocked out last time. Based on the size of that claw, Captain, mm-hmm. how big of a crab are we talking about? Big. Good really enough. big. It's categorized as a jumbo. All right. So one thing to consider is uh, the crab mating ritual. If just in case we are not able to overcome the crabs with your um, interesting weaponry, is there a way to engage the crabs in a more friendly manner? Old Bay. Old Bay. Old Bay Spice. They're attracted. That's what I smell on you. Yes. I, I wear it as deodorant. But... If you sprinkle a little of the Old Bay Spice into the water, it has some kind of effect. It repels the crab. It repels them or attracts them? I don't know. I've never done it. We'll see. We'll it have to probably test. repels them, reminding yeah, them of their untimely demise, right? That's, that's right. They're, they're they get scared. a scent of that, that spice, and next thing you know, they see themselves on a plate. That's right. They think of the crab genocide that's going on around the Chesapeake Bay. It reminds them of this, if we sprinkle a little. It's kind of like holy water to a vampire. Interesting. Well, we've got at least a few tools. Is this a crab suit I notice in the corner? Yes, it is. Very observant. The, the crab suit is kind of like a cage. It's, it's a chainmail outfit that if you put it on, you're protected against the crab snappers. However, you'll sink to the bottom of the ocean very fast and die. Well, surely there's a way to tether one in a crab suit to the boat and not just toss one of us in. Surely. I never thought of that. Stop calling me Shirley. How long have you been at sea, Captain? (laughs) Too long, I think. Yes. But we've got some really good tools here. All right, to recap, we have a harpoon. Yes. We have nautical rope. Yes. We have a mallet. A giant mallet, and we Excalibur. have a, Excalibur, forgive me. And we have a chainmail crab suit that sinks, but nevertheless would protect the wearer who had it on. And some old base uh, spice as well, oh, yes. in, and in case we need to repel m- many of them. Oh, there's one last thing. Oh, of course. These floaties, they're called floaties. You, This is high technology that is only used by the by Marines and other special forces in the Navy right now. And toddlers in pools. Not yet. Maybe in a few years, it'll be marketed as such. But right now, these are high-tech devices used only by the military. If you inflate these objects and put them on your arms and legs, you you can stay afloat at any time. Incredible. Yes, it's amazing. So how many of the, do you have floaties? Is there enough for each of us? There's one set of floaties that can that can keep buoyant one human at approximately under 250 pounds. 
All right, I suppose one of us is going to have to volunteer to get in that crab suit. Well, I'm a pretty good swimmer. Um, I don't know if I... that's true under 50, 60 pounds of chainmail. Well, that's true. But maybe. Maybe we could tether the suit to the harpoon. Oh, I forgot. I have one other object. You're quite interest. a forgetful. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is another thing that the special forces use. It's called a crazy straw because it's crazy. But this one is super long. It reaches to the bottom of the ocean so that if you need to go underneath the ocean, and we don't have a scuba suit, as long as you can keep your lips attached to this straw and keep the straw above water, you will be able to breathe underneath in the depths of the ocean. But this straw has like turns and twists in it. Are you sure that the air can find its way all the way through? It's, what, do I have to explain physics to you? Well, yes. That's the crazy, crazy part. It's straw. Why it's would they crazy. not? It's it just crazy enough to work. Oh, I'm still true. worried about if someone goes down in that chainmail suit, getting them back up, even if they can breathe down there. And even if they resolve the situation, is that the last we see of that person? Are we talking about a sacrifice? Well, no, no, no. I'm right. not. No, we're no, not talking. About I get dramatic. As long yeah. as it's not me. No, I am not talking about a sacrifice, but we have floaties. Number one, ah. perhaps the floaty will help the chainmail float. Technology, right? That's that right. could counterbalance itself out. Yes, that makes sense. Only the lightest among us will be able to go. Well, um, you're obviously staring at me. So, I, I, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Look, if you die, I'll name a ship after you. No one's going to die here. Yeah, I'm... But you should I'm, still well, name a ship after her. There's, there's a good chance someone may die. And it will probably be you in the chainmail suit. And if you do, I will name a ship after you. Tulip's a good name for a ship. Yep, SS Tulip. Um, it's a win-win. Okay, All right, so... first thing we need to do is find out where we're going to be diving. Take us there, Captain. Aye, aye. Wait, one other thing. Of course. We shouldn't be out here in the daylight with the Coast Guard. Perhaps we should wait until the darkness falls and then seek out this killer crab the coast guard doesn't operate in the dark they have inferior light technology understood i'm sorry i'm new to kent island but i'll take your word for it are crabs nocturnal creatures why are you asking me why is everybody looking at me how would i know you're because you smell man. like old bay we don't have a lot of time and i sort of winked at them to convince them that we weren't going to be a problem but i'm sure they're going to be keeping an eye out on this this wreck, it seems to be important to them. So I concur. I think we should probably do it at night. So it's settled. We'll be back here at eight o'clock. Which means it's time for a preparation montage. All right, there's a quick shot of Tulip grabbing the box of seaweed. She's taking it with her, runs back to the beach where she left her shoes that she took off before she dove in the water and she runs all the way home leaving the sheriff in his car behind she gets home her wet uniform is hanging over a handmade 
fire that she built to dry. She has changed her clothes. And she goes into her shelf at the bottom and pulls out a very old looking box, but it's got like stamps and various things on it. And she opens it up and it's got some photographs. It looks like maybe, you know, family photographs of her when she was young with her parents. And then she takes out a little bag and inside that bag is some seaweed that's tinged red. And she holds it up to the seaweed from the box and they look very similar to each other. And she actually notices that as they get close to each other, they both start to glow a little bit and almost become alive. Um, but she realizes she can't deal with that too much now. So she puts the boxes away, starts to do some deep breathing exercises and calisthenics to prepare for her diving. The sheriff's montage has him in his vehicle speeding home. It's an unreasonable speed, even for a sheriff, but he has to get there. It's as though there's some kind of time restriction weighing on his mind. He gets to the door. He fumbles for his keys. Wrong key, wrong key. It's like he's unfamiliar with this door. Finally, the right key opens the door, gets inside. He's hunting for something, but he's not sure what it is. Where is it? Where is it? Of course, it's in the fridge. He goes in the fridge. He whips out a moon pie and an RC cola downs them as quickly as possible, looks over to his black and white 13-inch square television, turns on the TV. It's precisely six o'clock. I love Lucy. He needs to watch this show and does so. We join the captain in the mirror. He, he looks in the mirror like in a, you're looking at me kind of way. And then he pulls his flare gun. And then he pulls his flare gun. And then he practices swinging his mallet back and forth, back and forth. Smashes crabs after crabs. The bird Bruce just watches from the corner, judgmentally. <laughs> Lastly, he practices tying knots. He has no idea how to tie knots. It's, it's actually his weakness. He knows nothing about tying knots. Finally, he falls in a fit of tears, tears off his shirt, and we see tattoos of his former crew painted all along his body. His tears weep over these tattoos. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we would cut to Jonah and he would be gone. <laughs> it's just before 8 p.m. The captain is still in the harbor. He's waiting anxiously. Tulip arrives. She's ready. How are you dressed? What are you bringing with you? So I have a special sleek... I don't know if they had wetsuits then, but some sort of full body bathing suit, um, uh, a bathing cap, and of course my fancy state-of-the-art goggles that I never take off that I had earlier. I hop in my canoe and I, I've canoed over. Hey, Chesapeake, can I come aboard? Permission to come aboard. Where is that sheriff? It's almost time to disembark the sheriff pulls up in his car just in time <clears throat> he gets out he's pretty much wearing exactly what he had when he left it's as though this is the only uniform he owns the one thing to think of about the sheriff is he has mirrored sunglasses that he's had on actually were those were those invented in the 50s doesn't matter he's had mirrored sunglasses on the whole time and hasn't taken them off even though it's night howdy mates Permission to come aboard. Permission granted. I just want you guys to know that I did spend a little time studying 
crab behavior. Uh, I know they do a little sideways dance to attract each other. And I also learned a three click claw sound that I can replicate pretty well. So I'm feeling good about this. Excellent. Here's the harpoon, just in case the three clip, crick, crab, whatever thing doesn't work. Use the harpoon. And of course, the crazy straw. Crazy straw comes in later. Well, you'll see. It'll work. Okay. I just don't want to forget. That's a very important piece of this whole plan. Look, this is very highfalutin technology used by the government. I understand if your tiny female brain doesn't understand it. We're going to talk about this at some point. My brain is not tiny or female. Well, I guess it's female and technically a little bit smaller. But I am a new breed of woman. So you just put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let's just get to the hunting. I put my pipe in my mouth and turn to the wheel. Oh, wait, we're still tied to the, we're still tied to the pork. This isn't going anywhere. Could somebody get the the rope thing? Can't you undo that knot, Captain? Well, I could, but I think you should learn it just in case we get stuck later. So just Fair give enough. it a try. Yeah. Anchors <laughs> away, ahoy, all that good stuff. And I cruise out into the sea, putting the engines at full speed, heading towards, set course toward the wreckage from earlier that day. I'm going to go to that spot for a more thorough examination. So gentlemen, a thought occurred to me that we didn't actually plan for. Chesapeake was very clear that these things happen in pairs. And I'm hoping that we have a plan since we're on sort of a, well, I guess you could call it a boat. What do we do if this boat goes down in an attack? I guess we've got our harpoon and our mallet. We die. We knew the risk going in. You're right. We knew this was a risky thing going in. We have to do this Uh, for humanity. That said, is there even anything uh, like a tiny lifeboat on this boat, or are we, this ship is it? There's the floaties. The floaties. floaties. Yeah. There there are also a couple lifelines I used earlier in the day. They're there. They're they're the ones I kind of, they're a bit tattered and patched together. If you can find one of those little life rings, you could float for a few hours until the Coast Guard found your salty, dead body. Encouraging. I also have my flare gun that we can fire off, just in case. I also have my real gun, because I'm a sheriff. They won't be able to see that at night, though. I meant for the crabs, just to add to the weaponry. What a crazy band of crab hunters we're becoming. But I'm glad to be doing this with you. Well, if we're crazy, we have the right straw. (laughs) That's not one of my quips. <laughs> I was, was going to make a crazy straw joke too, but then I was like, it's not one of my quips. <laughs> the camera on shore watches the minnow disappearing away into the darkness and cuts to another camera set up without thinking about the angle and connecting the previous shot. So it's almost a jump cut. But now this camera is also on shore and we sort of recognize it because it's pointing out at the location that we first saw as the minnow arrives right where the wreck was. Okay, Tulip, you're up. Suit up in the death suit. I mean, depth suit. Tulip, now that you're arriving at this location, something strikes you a little familiar about it. 
And I'd like to see if you can roll to see if you can remember what it is that you're trying to uh, recall. Survival, as I'm hoping to live through this. Sure. <laughs> this experience in this suit. And I guess intellect, you know, and my ability to remember something. Stand by the rail, looking out at the sea and rolling five dice to see if you can remember what it is that seems familiar about this place. I got one eight. And maybe the reason why this isn't as clear in your mind is because this was some time ago, but right around here somewhere, there's an underwater cave. Okay, you know, this is feeling somewhat familiar. I've done a lot of diving all around the coves and along the coast here. And this might be where I've discovered an underwater cave. You've been here before. I have. In fact, I'm sure of it. Oh, I can, I can just feel it in my bones. Have you been inside this cave? I've gone in a bit of the way, but I have to admit there was some sort of, well, how do I describe? A presence that felt ominous. And so I had always had it in my head that I was going to return, but only once I had the proper weaponry. And my goodness, perhaps that day is now. Captain and Sheriff, can both of you roll to see if you notice something as Tulip is gearing up? I'm going to go with Enigma's intellect. Okay. Okay, technology and... And intellect. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six that you're rolling. I rolled one eight. Okay. Yeah, 10. I got one 10. So, Tulip, as you stand with your back to the railing facing the two of these men, Chesapeake, you notice something behind her in the water that looks a bit strange, a bit out of the ordinary. Tulip, don't turn around. There's something behind us. I'm going to want to turn around. Don't. Don't turn around. Well, It'll like, know. I mean, we're, look we're looking. It'll know we're looking. A sentient thing? It's something strange. Is it, a, is it a giant crab without a claw? Let me angle one of one of my, the boat's, the minnow's lights, powerful lights on it. I, so I go up to a perch and I turn one of the minnow's spotlights onto the spot to get a closer look. You're, you're climbing and you're getting up to the light. Uh, Sheriff, you were thinking about technology in devices around here, and that led you to sort of looking about the deck of the minnow where there are crab pots, there's a, there's a winch, there's uh, some coils of rope. This is fascinating because you've always been interested in technologies of all sorts. And that's when your eyes fall upon this box of seaweed that you brought from your car and is still on the deck in the corner. And you hear this conversation between Tulip and the captain, but you're not quite listening to them because it seems like the seaweed might be twitching. I run over to the box of seaweed. It is moving as whatever it is that's swimming out there gets closer, as though they are connected in some way. They are calling each other, perhaps. All speculation, of course. I pick up a piece of the seaweed, and I hold it over the boat. And just as I do so, it goes crazy. It is wriggling in my hand like it is calling out to its mother. And Sheriff, as you went to pick it up, you didn't just get a piece of the seaweed. You got the entire thing as though it's all connected and all one plant. So okay. Tulip, 
you can see this clump of seaweed moving under its own power. Captain, staring right where the light is, you can see the outline of something that looks suspiciously like a very large crab coming towards the surface and the edge of your boat. Seaweed, it's, it's alive. I, I've seen this before. Crab alert! It's crab alert! It's dangerous. We have a crab coming in. We have a live I, seaweed. We I hit my bell. I ring the bell. Ding, 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 ding. Crab alert! Crab alert! I put the seaweed back in the box and cover it back up. You do that. You put it in. It doesn't seem to want to go back in the box, but you're able to shove it in there. And as you close the lid, it's fighting against the lid trying to get out. We have to keep this contained. I don't technically know what's going on here, but I, we have to keep this contained. The last thing we need is sounds. another mystery. Gentlemen, did you hear that? The seaweed made sounds. I think seaweed might be the wrong term at this point, Tulip. I, I We're think dealing with right. some kind of alien creature. None that I've ever seen, but I don't know a lot about aliens or botany or marine stuff. Captain, you see a gigantic crab claw coming out of the water and grabbing onto the railing. I, and it, I it, grab my mallet and race down to the deck to confront it, shouting, get the old bay! I whisper under my breath, Excalibur. I run, I, I try and find the old bay, but I'm so flustered that I, I knock it all over the floor or all over the, the, the ground and it scatters everywhere. So I, so I, so I try and scoop some up in my hands and I run out with a, a little pile stuck to my fingers. So this is uh, a combat uh, scene. <laughs> so everyone's going to roll initiative, which is uh, a relevant skill, whatever you think that you're, you should be rolling on, depending on what you want to do, plus cunning. So I'm going to go with close combat. So I have five. Unfortunately, I got zero out of five. Eight, okay. nine, I guess I'll go with survival again. I have one ten. Okay. I guess uh, I'll also go with their uh, close combat. I got one ten. So the order will go uh, Sheriff, Tulip, Crab, and then Captain. So Sheriff, you are up first. So the Crab is uh, has climbed up. It's, uh, it's grabbed onto the railing. It's pulling itself onto the deck. So just yeah. as it's doing that, I, I leap onto the crab and start shooting it with my six-shooter. Do you want to prioritize safely jumping on top of the crab or attacking it or shooting it? Or what is what is like your priority, your first priority here? I guess to get it off the boat. So maybe I'm uh, on it, but I'm shooting at its claw to get it off the boat. You could try to like close combat to get on it. And then in your next round... You could try to shoot it. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, close close combat first. Okay, so the goal is... Landing on it appropriately. Yeah, jumping on the thing and then having some control over it. Right, without okay. myself getting clawed or eaten or... Sure. Right. Yeah, so close combat plus an attribute. I got 110. <laughs> because I've had training in the past and I'm athletic, I managed to straddle it on its... On the on the back of its shell, I guess that's considered the back. While holding, one, using one hand to hold onto the shell, 
on the other hand, to draw my weapon. You are successfully on it. You are st you have stabilized yourself on top of this giant crab, mm -hmm. and now you can begin to draw your gun. Tulip, you are running back with uh, handfuls of Old Bay. <laughs> mm hmm. I am. I, I I sort of remember Chesapeake saying that it would act as a repellent. So my plan is to kind of just fling Old Bay in the direction of the crab and and see if it works. I guess this time I'll use, well, I guess it's the same number of points. I was going to say medicine, maybe. It just like, it just in the sense of like how one substance reacts with a creature. Yeah. Um, ooh, and dexterity, <laughs> which isn't so great, but I guess that's probably what I have to go with. Yeah. Ooh, oh, I got one eight. Tell me how you have successfully thrown this, this old bay at the giant crab. Uh, well, thankfully, I hadn't gone in the water yet, so my hands were fairly dry. So even though some of the old bay did stick to my hands, most of it was still in powder form. And so I rush up to the edge, and I, I look over, and I try to decide if it's best to throw it at the claw or itself, or if I should try and get it into the face, whatever the face is, the eyes, they're sort of poking up and I can see the eyes and they're sort of big and they seem to be looking at me. And I figure that my best bet is to throw the old bay in the eyes. Of course, I make this decision very quickly um, in a split second. So I just lean over and I try and as much as I can, like a little fistful and try and drop it right into the crab's eyes. And you're right on target. This old bay goes right into those eyes and this crab looks like it might have taken a point of damage and doesn't enjoy this at all. Uh, and it is now the crab's turn. Sheriff, you might notice that um, you've successfully balanced yourself on the back of this giant crab, mm. but your attention is drawn across the deck because without anyone there to prevent it, the seaweed bursts out of the box and starts to roll almost like a gigantic sloppy tumbleweed across the deck towards the crab. The crab does not like the fact that you are on its back, and it is going to try to grab you with its claw. I'm going to roll to see if the crab gets you. If it does get you, you can either take the damage or you can try to defend yourself. And if you defend yourself, you describe how you are defending to prevent taking damage, but it means that you will not be able to attack in your next round. You're spending your time trying to stay safe instead of attacking. Hmm. What do you got, crab? The crab rolled two fours, a five, and a ten. Ooh. So it looks like this claw is coming right towards you, and it looks like it's going to be able to grab you. Do you want to just take this pinching damage, or do you want to defend yourself? Yeah, no, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the hit. I'll take one for the team. This crab gives you two points of damage. So if you look down on your sheet there, under just a flesh wound... Now, whenever you roll an archetype, yeah. you add plus one die every time you're rolling. Okay. So the crab doesn't like the fact that you are on his back. And he reaches up, and you can see this claw coming, and it pinches uh, the arm that you're using to hold on to his shell. And it pinches so hard, you can feel the flesh start to tear a little bit. But you don't let go. So he's got a kind of a grip on you, but you are stuck on his back. And you can see that that rolling seaweed headed in your direction. And now it is the captain's turn. 
I charge in with my giant mallet and I turn to look in the sky and I say, I'm here to eat seafood and kick ass, but I'm all out of tartar sauce. And then I swing the mallet and smash it into the claw that's holding the sheriff. Does everybody like that quip? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good one. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can roll an extra die. What are you, Close combat again, which mm-hmm. is two. And then I think I'm going to go with Mike, which is three. And then you say I get one extra, right? So that's yep. six total. Here All we right. go. A 10. One success is good enough to hit. So tell me where are you, is that the sheriff is on the back of this giant crab here. Describe what you're doing with Excalibur. Is it possible for me to step up onto the, onto the top of the crab and smash down on the claw that has the sheriff? You can do that, but you probably won't have good enough stability to stay there. Like you could probably like jump up and hit, but then you would probably come back off. Okay. I, I'm good with that. I'm good with kind of a, a wild lunge and fall or whatever would happen. I jump up, I, I, I lunge onto the back of the crab, I swing the mallet, smash the crab's uh, claw, but then I fall off the crab onto my back. Then the crab did not like that. It actually, that damage uh, on the claw made it release the sheriff. Ouch. So back to the top of the order. Sheriff, what is your plan? With my wounded hand, I grab onto the boat and uh, hoist myself up and bring myself back onto the boat, noticing that that crazy seaweed thing has gotten really close. I take a shot at the seaweed. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an aim because it's a moving target now. Composure, under stress. As the crazy Sigmund the sea monster thing is flailing all over the boat, it's as though it it knows that I'm going to take a shot at it. I collect my thoughts, get very still, I don't pull, but squeeze the trigger just in time. But I guess just in time for what depends on the roll. One, uh, one eight and one nine. This thing is flailing all over the place. Strands of what looks like seaweed are flopping and flailing around. And you're able to put a shot right in the center of this mass of seaweed. Or whatever this thing is. And it bounces. It sort of loses its trajectory for a bit and veers off to the side as this bullet goes right through the center. You don't know how strong giant sentient seaweeds are. This thing is still moving, although slow, much uh, more slowly. Tulip. I yell at the sheriff, no, don't kill the seaweed. We need to keep it and study it. If, if you kill it, we're never going to learn where it came from or, or, or what, it, what the connection is with the crab. I run over and try and pull just a piece of it off and throw it at the crab, hoping that maybe that's what the crab wanted anyway. The crab was just trying to get the seaweed. And I want to see if the crab will react to the hunk of thrown seaweed. That's my plan anyway. So the 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 clump of seaweed is moving more slowly, so it's probably not as hard to grab it, but it might be ripping it. Athletics. And resolve. One nine. Yeah, you've grabbed this clump of seaweed. It is much harder than you thought it would be to tear a piece off. 
but you have great resolve and you are not going to give up until you, you rip a little piece off in your hand. And when you do, the entire thing shudders as though you've just pulled a wing off a butterfly. So I try and tell it, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, but I take my shot and I throw it at the crab to see if it reacts. You do throw it right at the crab. It gets right in front of it. And if anything, the crab looks angrier than it did before. Interesting. Seaweed in your hand flails around quite a bit right after you've pulled the piece off. So much so that it's hard for you to hang on to it, and it is back on the deck. It falls right out of your hands, pulling itself out of your hands and back onto the deck and rolling more slowly now in the direction of the crab. Uh, And it is leaving a little trail of a green ooze behind it from the part that you tore off. The crab ignores everyone else around it and heads right for the seaweed, They were close enough at this point for it to reach out and cradle the seaweed. The seaweed goes for it, crawls right up the arm of the crab, and perches on its back, almost as though it wants to ride it like a horse. Captain. I draw my flare gun and shoot it at the seaweed. Aim, unfortunately, dexterity. So I have three rolls. So one nine. The seaweed has rolled right up onto the back of the crab. The crab is starting to turn back to the rail of the of the ship to try to get back in the water. And you calmly take aim and the flare hits the seaweed straight on. And as it does, all of you can see the fire of the flare spurting out. You can see this seaweed convulsing. There may even be a high pitched squeal. It's hard to tell. It flies from the back of the crab, though it flies in the direction of the rail. So it's now further away from all of you. Sheriff, you are up. Did everyone see that? There's definitely a connection between the seaweed and that crab. I I, I can't even believe it, but I saw it. This ain't your ordinary seaweed. That's coming. That's my professional opinion. No, it's a crab jockey. I advise everyone just to back away. Back away from the crab. Uh, Chesapeake still has uh, Excalibur in his hand, right? That's right. At this point, we need to throw Old Bay, come down with Excalibur, and I'll start shooting to get the crab off the boat. So you're going to shoot the crab? You're going to try to shoot the crab again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. while advising them to help. I got one nine. Yeah, you got this shot off. It's not as centered as you would like it to be. It has turned away from you. But you did get the shot uh, on, the, on the edge of the shell, and you can see that the shell cracks. It does look like this crab, this giant crab, has taken a handful of injuries now, and it doesn't seem happy, and it doesn't seem as fast as it was before. But it is still up. It seems very single-minded on what it's here to do. Now, the seaweed's gone, right? Seaweed is still on the deck. It just got blasted. It is smoldering now. And also looks very, as much as a ball of seaweed can look unhappy, this ball of seaweed looks unhappy. Uh, But it is still on the deck, and the crab has turned towards it, and will probably run right towards it when it is its turn. I look at the, my hands, which have bits of soggy old bay mixed with seaweed goo, and I realize, I don't know that I've got much, 
I can do with the old bay anymore. So I go for my harpoon. I decide to stick the seaweed with my harpoon and see if I can lure, if the crab will sort of follow the seaweed and if I can lure it away. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, empathy this time because I'm trying to see if the um, if there's feelings between the crab and the seaweed. I Dora. guess dexterity, yeah. And I got a nine, one nine. Nobody has failed a roll during this combat. I know. I was trying to trying to get get a failure in there. All right. So describe what you are doing. I grab the harpoon and I see where where the the flare has hit the seaweed. There's sort of a smoldering hole, so I can easily kind of fit the pointy end of the harpoon in that hole. So I can jam it into the ball of seaweed and. I start to, you know, stretch out and try and move the seaweed as far away from myself and Chesapeake and the sheriff as possible to see if the crab will start to follow, follow the seaweed away from us. So you're not trying to really damage it. You're trying to pick it up and move it, right? Or are you yes. trying to hurt it? No, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt. I want it to stay alive. I want to, I would like to research it if possible, or at least... If the crab, I'm, you know, I, you know, if like the crab loves it or is connected to it, I want it to stay alive in order to um, use that against the crab if possible. The love of the, the crab's love of the seaweed against it. Yes, you've successfully looped it and it is stuck on the end of the harpoon. And where do you move it to? To the f- far end <laughs> of the boat. Like, like across the deck to the other railing? Is that? Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Away, yes, away from where we're all standing to the other side. It works. It, your, your plan has worked. The harpoon is, is stuck inside of the seaweed. And as you get it up and you start to move across the deck, the seaweed starts to flail and loop again. But it doesn't seem as energetic. It seems much injured now. It's still uh, smoldering from the flare. Uh, and it starts to move around quite a bit on the harpoon and you get across the deck but it does flail enough to fall off of the edge of the harpoon so it got a success in trying to escape but it is still right in front of you on the deck and as soon as the seaweed falls off and hits the deck the crab charges and moves a lot faster than any of you thought that a giant crab of this size could move it gets across the deck in just a blink and scoops up the seaweed, and it looks like it's aiming itself right towards the rail, uh, trying to get over the yeah, over the edge of the boat as quickly as it can. It looks like, Captain, you might have a moment here to do something. If you're unable to do anything right now to contain it, it looks like it's going to escape. I shout, in the name of Dundalk, I will have my vengeance, and slam the hammer into its back. I charge in my last desperate attempt Again, it would be close combat and might, which gives me five. A 10, an eight, a six, a five, and a 10. Oh. So this crab has moved right to the railing, has grabbed it, and is trying to get away as quickly as it can. And you've charged right up behind it. And with all of the pent-up anger and frustration that you've been carrying around for years... You yell, and this mallet comes down and completely cracks the shell. And this crab crumbles to the deck. 
twitching, but it looks like the life has left it. The seaweed uh, that the crab was carrying was close enough to the edge that it uses whatever will a giant clump of seaweed has to roll itself off of the edge, and you can all hear it splash into the water. But you also have a giant dead crab on the deck of this boat, and you are out of combat. Chesapeake, you did it. I had no idea you had such inner power. And rage. I start smashing the crab in overkill. Die! You killed my family! Easy. Keep smashing it. Easy, Captain. It's already dead. It's already dead. Settle down, son. These things killed my family. I understand. It's no longer a threat. You've avenged your family and looks like it's crab meat for all of us. Gentlemen, we can't celebrate quite yet. You do notice that this crab has two claws. There's another one out there that's missing a claw. And where there is one enormous crab and another enormous crab missing a claw, there's probably a thousand more. They come in bunches. They My do. skin starts to itch, by the way. It's itching. My allergies. <sighs> I, I go to clean up with some clean water to try to get the crab off of my skin. All of you notice that the captain is sort of starting to turn red, uh, splotches and hives. If anybody has uh, some uh, a medical, <laughs> a little bit of medical talent, they might be able to help him. This looks an awful lot like a shellfish allergy. Uh, uh, Quick, uh, get the crazy straw. Stuff it down your throat. There, there may also be some medicine on the boat somewhere. <laughs> oh, let, let, let me well, look in, into the medical kit here. I was all ready to toss the old bay on him. <laughs> Tulip runs to, you know, digging through the various little compartments and stashes of, of stuff on the ship. And she does find a little box that says first aid on it. And she opens the box and inside there's... Not my magazines. No, ignore those. Some interesting magazines that she chooses not to look, not to open to the middle page. She throws them aside and sees some Band-Aids and some tobacco, realizes <laughs> there's no medicine here that's going to help. And so she reaches back into her mind and remembers that anti-inflammatories are a good thing. And so... She uses the green globs of seaweed drips that have been left behind on the deck, scraping them up, hoping that perhaps they might help. So she rubs the captain with the green blood of the seaweed. What is your skill? What is your attribute? <laughs> My skill is medicine. My attribute is cunning. I got one eight. A captain, you start to feel your airwaves. Uh, they're no longer constricting. They're starting to open up again. You saved my life. You saved my life. Well, you saved ours, Chesapeake. The least I could do. Sheriff, as the captain is starting to breathe again, you have a moment to examine this giant crab. Yeah, upon a closer look, I can see that it was a female. And pregnant. 
baby crabs. I don't know. I don't know how crabs work, but it's not like this. Maybe it's filled with eggs. I don't know. This is no ordinary crab. That's right. That's right. Med I guess medicine. Maybe I, uh, intellect, I guess. Are you going to quip? Ah, uh, jeez. Another day, another 86 trillion, 400 billion point 56 nanoseconds. Yeah, go ahead. Add a, add a die. <laughs> I got one nine. You feel like somebody more qualified might have been able to find more than you could. Hmm. But there is something about this crab as you sort of squat down and look through it. It seems to be glowing a little bit because the captain has done such a good job in smashing it all over the deck. The meat has a slight glow to it. Interesting. Radioactive, indeed. Possibly. Well, I know we're all hungry, but I would uh, recommend us not eating this particular crab. Captain, come over here. Take a look at this. Have you ever seen anything like this? This blue glow around the crab flesh. It's not standard. In most your ordinary crabs, that's for sure. Maybe it's the mustard. An unusual glow-in-the-dark mustard of the crab. Hmm. I'm not sure we're dealing with something from this planet. You're suggesting that this crab is alien? Tulip, I think we've seen enough weird, unusual stuff to not rule out potential alien species. Martian crab. What do you know? Perhaps the species crashed into our ocean and has found you know, our oceans to be a wonderful environment for it to grow and multiply, and who knows how many of these things could be in the depths. At least two. Somewhere between two and more. Well, gentlemen, if we live through the next few days, the sushi's on me. I'm not actually allergic to shellfish. That is what we technically call acting. We had so much fun with that seaweed. And there was like people who had things that were actually tied to each little bit of the lettuce. We had to like, they glued it on, but to try and make this lettuce look alive and look like seaweed, it just became the most fun moment on set. I remember the two guys inside the crab suit weren't having such a great time. In fact, if I recall correctly, they had to pull one of them out and replace him with a uh, stunt crab manipulator. I'm not sure what the, the technical credit uh, for, but I, you know, I, I, I was always concerned about that guy they pulled out because uh, he wasn't moving. The captain marches to the anchor and starts to throw the anchor into the ocean without even talking to the rest. Just starts going to work, throwing the anchor in or reeling it down or whatever you do in a boat. I don't know, but the captain does. Tulip, I'd advise that you do not, repeat, do not go in that water without the crab suit. I think we, uh, we've established that it's uh, treacherous and dangerous down there. This cave, is it possible there's an air pocket inside the cave? Well, it is certainly possible. I noticed some strange bubbles coming out the entrance the last time I was there. You know, it takes me about a minute to get down. 
Uh, I can hold my breath for about three minutes total. So I guess that gives me about 30 seconds to swim into the cave and see if I can find that air bubble before I need to head back. However, if I'm in a giant crab chainmail suit. Countered by floaties. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it down to the cave. So gentlemen, I, I think I'm going to have to take the risk, at least for this first dive, and see what I can see without the suit. Okay, well, when you get down there, if there is an air pocket, send up a floaty. If we don't see you for 10 minutes, we'll go back. Wait, is she what? going down with floaties and without the suit? That sounds harder than going with the suit. Yeah, Chesapeake, I'm not going down with the floaties. The floaties are gonna keep me on top. It's very counterproductive to my goal. Well, how are now, we gonna- the floaties will be filled with air, so perhaps I could suck the air out of the floaty if I really had to. Ah, but I won't even be down there. No, I can't. I can't take the floaties. How will we know if you find an air pocket? That is a good point. All right, here's the plan. Five minutes. Five minutes and I should be back up. One of you guys has to put on that suit and you need to come down and try and rescue me. Well, I'm weighing in at about 185. Captain? <laughs> 400. 400. <laughs> You've been reading too many floaty magazines, sir. Why can't we tether Tulip with a fishing line she can go down without the suit because she's Excellent. convinced she's going to do that and then tug on the line to let us know three tugs means she's found an air pocket. Two yes. tugs means there's no air pocket. No I, tugs means we need to pull her back up. I have an old sea marlin reel in the back. If she gets in trouble, we could reel her in. Brilliant, so gentlemen. Brilliant. Let's do it. I like these plans. And you mentioned your nautical rope. That's right. He keeps mentioning his nautical. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it never comes in the same conversation with his shorts. We could tie the nautical rope to Tulip's throat. <laughs> no, no, my foot. Are you trying to choke me? Okay, okay, the foot, the foot. We'll tie it to Tulip's foot, and then we'll put it on the sea marlin reel. Perfect, I like this. I'll dive down, and it was... Two pulls means I've found an air pocket, and three pulls means I haven't. I think it was the other way around, but that's okay. We'll go with two found, three no find. I'm sure you'll understand when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff, why don't you practice tying your knot on her leg with this large nautical rope? For God's sakes, man, this is no time to be practicing things. You're the expert. You tie the knot. I have to get the, the reel. I walk away before he can protest. All right. I'm going to use a quip here. Yeah. <sighs> Just doing someone else's job. <laughs> right into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, skill and attribute. Uh, and this is for tying the knot. Yeah. I see. One could argue that that falls under primitive technology i think so yeah and the attribute will be uh, i don't know i would go with intellect but because remember if if any of those are archetypes you get a bonus that's true because you have an injury now 
So your technology too many things to keep up with. <laughs> yeah. So so your technology is not your um your archetype, but it's still pretty good. You've got three uh three points there. Yeah, I'll go with technology for the not and uh intellect. And then you just did a quip, so that is a seven. Wow. <laughs> this is gonna be quite a knot. Uh one ten and one eight. Tulip, the sheriff. Um, is sort of puzzling over your ankle for a minute and tries uh, a number of things and then seems pretty confident that this is a good knot. Here's the reel. I'll tie it to the rail. I'll tie the reel to the rail and we can put the other end of the nautical rope on the reel. Sheriff, why don't you do that? I have to go down and get some flashlights. <laughs> I'm running out of quips. <laughs> All right, I guess. <laughs> that should be a quip. <laughs> I guess I decided to do that. <laughs> really. Okay. Tulip, how are you feeling? Are you ready? I've been practicing my deep breaths, and I feel like I've almost been born for this moment. My whole life spent in the sea, researching, and finally the seaweed has come back to me in a way. I feel like this is my destiny. I'm ready. Listen, right, Tulip, I just wanted to say, if anything happens to you down there, we're leaving. Okay, just remember that I'm attached to the end of the boat, so you're going to be dragging me along like an anchor. So well, We're going to give it the five, six minutes to see if you're okay. Okay, let's just make sure we're clear on the plan here, gentlemen. Yeah, three tugs, two tugs. We got right. it. We got it. Just go in the water already. You're getting right. on my nerves. Fine. Chesapeake, where's you claimed you were going down to get flashlights? Where are they? Well, I might have forgot the batteries, okay? What I'll do is I'll aim the large starboard light into the spot you're going under just to guide you, to give you some light underneath the murk. All right. And I'm going to take some of this glowing crab meat with me as well. Perhaps it will help light the way. Grab Great. a hunk of crab meat. Okay, let's not take all night. The very stuff that attracts the crabs. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Wait, all should right. you take your harpoon gun with you as well? Okay. I'll, I'm sort of sticking the harpoon gun in my bathing suit because I'm going to need at least one hand for the diving. Awesome. And I stand at the bow, at the rail. I look out over the ocean. I take a deep breath. I, I salute you. I attempt a salute. And I look at the camera and I say, I'd like to stay, but I've got a date with the rest of my life. And I dive into the water. <laughs> what do you think the odds will ever see her again? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the camera stays on the deck for a moment as she disappears beneath the waves. I'm going to go have a smoke. I'll be back up in a couple minutes. All right, I'll keep an eye on things up here. I have to check on Bruce, the bird. Cutting to an underwater camera. There's a, The spotlight is coming in from above. It's kind of a pretty shot, uh, but the camera's not quite as stable as most people would want it to be these days. What does it see as you descend, Tulip? Well, it is thankfully pointing 
towards a an open cave, the entrance. There are some little bubbles I can see that are slowly coming out. So I, I raise my lump of crab meat ahead of me, realize I've got about a minute to find this hopeful air pocket. And so I dive forward and try and power swim towards the, towards the entrance. Camera cuts back to the deck. Sheriff is alone. Just keeping a good eye out. Both good eyes through my mirrored sunglasses, watching the waters for any sign of tugging. Camera cuts back underwater. Tulip is swimming into the cave. And at this point, the light from the boat is no longer helping me. Uh, I could only penetrate so far. And now that I'm sort of inside the cave, my only source of light is my glowing lump of crab meat. Shine it around and wouldn't you know, there is an air pocket at the top of the cave. I swim up to it. I'm so glad to get some breath. And then I try to remember two tugs or three. (laughs) (laughs) And the camera cuts back to the deck. Sheriff is looking out and the captain returns. The sheriff whispers under his breath, was it two tugs or three? And the camera cuts back underwater. So you have a little bit of a glow in this air pocket, which is quite sizable, surprisingly so. If there was more light, it would be a lot clearer. But you can look down and almost make out the the floor of the cave below you through the water. What you do notice now that you have a moment here in the quiet and the still of this air pocket, holding up the crab meat, the little bit of a glow shows that this entire air pocket is filled with clumps of seaweed. And all of them are twitching. They're ignoring you for now, but they're all moving about. You can watch one sort of move to the next clump of seaweed and interact somehow. And then it moves on to another one and interacts with that one. And as you sort of turn slowly around this pocket, you can see a dozen, 18. There's a lot of clumps of seaweed in here. I'm absolutely stunned. And so I decide to pull on the rope five times because it's something else that we haven't even considered. And I'm hoping they understand what that means. And slowly I turn and I see that there's one very sort of close to my face. I wonder about reaching my hand out. I start to put my hand up toward it and then I pull back and then I wonder, well, maybe I should put the crab meat towards it. And then I'm not sure. And I feel stuck in indecision of, should I try and interact with this seaweed? And if I do, should I, I interact with it? Or should I try and have the crab meat interact with it? I don't know what to do, but I have to decide quickly. Camera cuts back to the, the deck of the, the minnow. It's a bit quiet as the sheriff and the captain stand not too close together looking out over the railing. Suddenly, five tugs come on the rope. What the? Five tugs? I challenged Captain Chesapeake to a game of rock, paper, scissors. I have no idea what five tugs meant. Okay. (laughs) If I win, we pull her up. If you win, we leave her down there. Okay. And one, two, 
three, I win. Because <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> I start to reel her in. Wait, we should go down after her. I continue reeling her in. <laughs> I, I pull out my flare gun and aim it at the, at the sheriff. <laughs> Don't. If there's crabs down there, we have to kill them. She's found something obviously uh, indescribable because she tugged on it five times, which we hadn't discussed previously. And now you want the rest of us to leave the boat and be down with her. We have a crazy straw. We can go down there. You're welcome to go down there by yourself. There's only one crazy straw. I don't trust that you won't steal my boat. I don't trust that. You go down first. And the camera cuts... Back to the air pocket. There was a moment when the rope got tight and started to pull you, and then it stopped. Tulip realizes that who knows what those ridiculous men are thinking about. She might not have a lot of time. So she decides to take a chance and reach towards one of the balls of seaweed with her hand in one direction. And in the other direction, she reaches out with the blob of crab meat to see see which one reacts. Okay, so you are conducting an experiment. Mm-hmm. You're just looking for a reaction. Mm-hmm. Science? Mm-hmm. And presence. I got a 10 and a 9. Wow. Okay, so your hand is going towards one, and the crab meat is going towards the other. The seaweed that you have your hand towards initially doesn't really seem to react. It's still moving about a little bit. It doesn't seem to be moving a whole lot, but it's, it's sort of twitching. Uh, strands are moving about slowly, but just getting physically close to it doesn't seem to be causing an immediate reaction as far as you can tell. As you reach out with the crab meat, the other one starts to come closer and looks like it wants to crawl onto your hand. I want to make sure I have my light. So I break a little piece off of the lump of crab meat and take the biggest lump sort of away from, and I keep the little lump out towards the seaweed to see what happens. Immediate impression is that it looks like it's going to climb onto your hand. Is it coming aggressively towards the crab meat or is it coming gently towards the crab meat? It's hard to decipher emotions from seaweed, Mm -hmm. but it looks like this is a steady progress. It's continuing towards you at a, at a steady rate. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it and see what happens. I'm going to keep my hand out and I'm going to keep the little, I mean, I'm, trying to get as much distance as I can and make sure that the crab meat is what's closest, but I'm going to see what happens. Yeah. We can see some of the strands of the seaweed reaching out. They touch your hand. Another one comes out and it goes further up towards your wrist and the camera cuts back to the deck of the boat. I attempt to disarm Chesapeake who's holding a flare gun to my head. Chesapeake. Is your intention to shoot him? What is it? What is, are we going into a combat scenario here? In fact, my flare gun is currently empty. 
you just allow the sheriff to take it from you? Yeah, I, I really don't have any other choice, so he can he can take it away. Basically, the one hand comes up and holds the back of his hand while simultaneously slapping the gun. It's kind of a it's a Filipino disarm. It's like a one quick snap movement, and the gun goes flying onto the deck. And there it goes. It goes uh, skittering across the deck. <clears throat> but I knew that it was actually empty as I did it. I just didn't like a man even holding an empty gun to my head. Pull yourself together, man. We've got a woman down there who's in danger of her life. We have listen, to reel her up. Listen, these things killed my family. If they're down there, we should go down there and take care of them. We can't let them just roam around waiting to kill other people. What kind of sheriff are you that you would allow these things to kill children and seamen? You are sick. You don't deserve that badge, you pansy. Once again, you're blowing things way out of proportion, Chesapeake. I suggest we reel her in, get the intel that she has now accumulated so that we can devise a plan from there instead intel, of jumping into the dark, not knowing what the hell we're doing. You can't even tie a knot for crying out loud. I can't do. I just wanted to see if you could do it. Oh, I see. Oh, I can tie a knot. Trust me. I'm reeling her in. The camera cuts back to the air pocket. <laughs> and this seaweed looks like it, it has completely enveloped your hand and it is uh, twining its way up your arm. It doesn't seem to be hurting. So I'm trying to figure out now what to do when suddenly I start to feel the rope go taut on my ankle and I realize... Oh, they're about to pull me up. So I take a deep breath of the air while I have it and dive back in and start to swim with the seaweed attached to my one hand. And I guess my other hand still has the chunk of, sea, uh, chunk of meat. So I'm sort of relying on the rope to pull me up. I'm kind of trying to swim, but the rope is doing most of the, the, the pulling me back to the boat. Camera cuts back to the deck. Sheriff, you're doing some reeling, but you've just started. Help me with this, Chesapeake. Don't just stand there. Okay, I'll help. That's when I pull out my sea knife and attempt to slash the, the rope. I'm starting to think you did your family in. <laughs> Is this initiative? <laughs> are you, are yeah, it you could going be to... initiative. I'm, I'm going to try to slash the rope, but... I'm sure he could defend against that. I think we can say that you will successfully cut through this rope unless the sheriff stops you. Pick a skill and an attribute that will stop the the captain from cutting this rope. Might and close combat. I get a 10, a 9, and an 8. <laughs> I kill Captain Chesapeake. <laughs> <laughs> He's clearly in on this. He's working with the crabs. Yeah, I think your uh, your instincts just kicked right in. Like, he went to pull this knife, and you saw it coming a mile away, and are able to disarm him very easily. <laughs> I'm just scared of what else he's going to pull out of his shorts. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I can't tie a knot. So what? I can kill crabs. This is on you. Whatever happens from here on out, it's on you. Fine, but help me save this poor woman. Okay, reel her in. I'll stand here and smoke my pipe. 
and a reeling I do. And the camera cuts back underwater. Tulip, you're being pulled at a pretty brisk rate, and then you weren't being pulled. You did get pulled out of the cave. You're right at the entrance. You're drifting out of the cave. The momentum is on your side. The seaweed is all over your hand, still trying to climb its way up your arm. And you can just barely make out below you because now it's brighter out here from the light from the minnow. One or three, or maybe that's seven giant crabs have started moving and are making their way towards you. Or is it towards the seaweed that's on you? So I'm suddenly terrified. I fling my hunk of crab meat down at them, hoping that maybe that will distract them, but it will also free up my hand so I can start trying to swim myself and not rely on this, this rope to get me back to the boat. I'm swimming as fast as I can, and with my seaweed arm, I'm trying to see if I can reach around and get my harpoon some kind of way to either get the seaweed off my arm or use it to fling at the crab if need be, but I can't. It's just buried too deep in, in my swimsuit, and so I'm just swimming for my life as, as fast as I can towards the surface. They Came From Beneath the Sea was developed by Matthew Dawkins and published by Onyx Path Publishing. You can find out more about the game by visiting theonyxpath.com or find the link in our show notes. Aaron Mixon is our announcer. Dave Coyne, Wendy Donegan, and Jamie Nash can all be found on IMDb. I recently interviewed Jamie about his new book, Save the Cat Writes for TV, on the playwriting podcast, Theatrically Speaking. That conversation will be episode number six. Just like RPG Anthology, Theatrically Speaking is a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. Find out more about these and other shows over at actualstorypodcasting.com. Now, during this episode, a couple of things started to congeal. (laughs) From the beginning, Wendy, Dave, and Jamie jumped right into character and they played the game almost as a structured improv at times. But the side effect of that is that they didn't gravitate towards a couple of the game's mechanics. And as we get into this episode, they started using the quips, where the character turns to the camera and delivers their catchphrase in an overly dramatic fashion. And if you have a gaming group that loves the language of film, quips can become a lot of fun around the table or around Zoom. The other mechanic that we don't really get into by the end of this episode are the cinematic powers. I think that we're having so much fun with the character interaction that it took a while for us to really dig into the potential of cinematic powers. And really, it wasn't until next episode, uh, number three, when cheap sets and deleted scenes started connecting with these behind-the-scenes interviews that we're doing. And I think it really gives a feel... Uh, like gonzo filmmaking, which is super fun. I hope you like it, and if you do, hey, tell a friend. We'll see you next week.